0: John chapter 6, verses 35 through 51. I will pick up one verse that I had covered last time, because we went through verse 35 uh, last time, last uh, two weeks ago when I was preaching last on John 6. Last time we saw that Jesus had fed the 5,000 miraculously with the five loaves and two fish, such a multiplication of of food that Uh, all of them were fed and were in fact fed to the full and that there was even food left over uh, so that 12 basketfuls were collected and then they went across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus not initially with them but in the middle of the storm walking on the water to them and then bringing them safely to the other side and at Capernaum it seems uh, in the synagogue at Capernaum the crowds catch up to jesus and there is a passage then of teaching kind of in reaction or response or explanation of this wonder this work that jesus had done in which he taught them not to look for the bread that perishes that feeds you for a few hours but rather to come to jesus himself as the bread of life and so we'll pick up in verse 35 as he had just said plainly, I am the bread of life, and see what he says next. John chapter 6, 35 through 51. (laughs) Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose mother and father, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray for God's blessing upon his word. O Lord God, we thank you for sending your son as bread, as the bread of life, uh, even from heaven. We pray that you would uh, bless your word to our understanding, that we might uh, be built up by this Word and edified, uh, that it would remain with us throughout this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus had earlier interacted with what the people had asked him about a sign. Uh, They had linked it with the manna in the wilderness, that God had sent bread from heaven, or that Moses had kind of been vindicated by God sending bread from heaven, and they wanted Jesus to do this sign. Of course, Jesus had just done that sign, um, but he was moving on then to the greater significance that he himself is the bread of life. But if you remember back to Exodus 16, when there's the account of the manna first coming to the people, what were the people doing? They were grumbling. They were grumbling against Moses. And then later on, after they'd been eating the manna, what did they do again and again? They grumbled. They grumbled that all we had to eat is this manna. We want meat. And they got more meat than they could ask for and were judged for their, uh, their greed and their dissatisfaction, rejecting the food that God had given them to sustain their life. Um, Similarly, we come across other people now grumbling. God had given the bread of life, Jesus Christ, the source of life eternal for the world. And yet some people grumbled. They were not satisfied with the food that God had given them. He seemed too ordinary. He was a man. They were familiar with his family. They knew who Joseph and Mary were. This is in Capernaum not that far from Nazareth in the land of Galilee, and uh, so they grumbled, and Jesus was reminding them of what happens to people who grumble. What happens to people who grumble against God and who reject the life that he gives them? They die. They perish. But what about the person who receives the life that God gives, Uh, who receives the bread that he gives. Well, the one who receives Jesus Christ, the bread of life, shall live forever, shall not die, shall not come into judgment, shall not be condemned. And so the, Jesus says he is the bread of life. He actually says that at least twice. Um, but he is uh, describing himself in this way because uh, he is there to give life. Just as bread is necessary for life, if you do not eat it, You die in a natural way, so without uh, Jesus Christ, uh, one perishes eternally, forever, in the age to come, and spiritually even now. Anyone may receive life from him. Anyone may receive life from the bread of life. And how? By believing in him. And so, we are taught here to come to Jesus, to partake of this bread, not by eating him in the mouth, but by faith, by coming to him, by believing in him. And the one who does will never hunger or thirst. They will receive this life from this bread forever. Now, so God's plan of salvation that's uh, put forward in this passage uh, this passage explains how God saves sinners, how he is determined from eternity past to save sinners, how he will do so unto the very end. And God's plan of salvation is that sinners are going to be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. They're going to be saved by coming to the Son, and there's no other way of salvation. That is the way God has decided to save, and to certainly save, his chosen ones. The Father has sent his Son as the bread of life from heaven, as the manna, for eternal life. All who grumble at him shall perish, but those who come to him shall live forever. Therefore, let us come to the Son of God, abide in him by faith, feeding upon this bread, receiving life from his very flesh. Now, in verses 37 and 39, through 39, we find that, Uh, This plan of salvation uh, begins with the Father's choice that he has given a people to the Son to save, that Jesus came on mission. He had been given a task. He had been given a charge to do the Father's will. He had been given a people. In verse 37, it says, All that the Father gives me, will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. So the Father has given people to the Son. They're not saved yet. When he gives them to the Son, he gives them to the Son that they may be saved. And They will all be saved. This is the will of the Father that the Son came to do, to lose none of them. One of them? No, none of them. And to save them all. This is what God has determined. From all eternity, he chose some sinners and he predestined them to eternal life. We can call this election. Election referring to the idea of choosing people. We call this predestination because he he takes this people and he predestines them and you know destines them ahead of time unto this destination of, of glory and salvation we can call this foreknowledge because he knows them ahead of time uh, he has this this uh, relationship as it were with them he sets his love upon them that he might save them obviously because this is uh, a choosing to, to give them to the son that the Son might save them. They're not considered as saved yet. They're not those who are good. Uh, they are chosen not for good in them, but rather that they might be saved. And so he say, he sent the Son to save this group of people, to save the elect, to purchase their redemption, and to bring them to salvation. Consider if if I gave you something and I told you I want you to do something with this. Maybe I give you some money and I say I want you to take good care of this money and bring it back to me without losing any of it. Well, then you would seek to do that will, right? And to bring it back to me without losing any. But it's even greater than that. He wasn't just going to not lose any, but he was going to save them and not lose any. Uh, he was going to have this, this people that was his burden now, was his, his job, his task, uh, to see to their salvation. So Jesus came to do the will of his Father, to save all the elect. And the elect are only saved through the work of Jesus Christ. They have been given to the Son. Uh, They are put into his hands. They are chosen in Christ, as Paul says, predestined for adoption through Jesus Christ. And So we find the beginning of this salvation in God's election. and He determines to save these people in a certain way, uh, to save them through Jesus Christ. So first, the Father has given Jesus a people to save. Perhaps instead of giving you a bunch of money and telling you to not lose any. It's more like saying, you know, you see uh, these, these uh, animals that are out here. Let's say there's a bunch of, of uh, little baby bunnies out in the yard. And I tell you, I want you to save these 10 bunnies that are out here and not lose any of them. And you have to go in and go out and save all 10 of them. Mm. Not nine, not eight, I <laughs> not six, but rather to save all those that that your father has given you to save, but it's much greater that uh, he has given people to the son uh, to save from things that they deserved to receive from judgment, from condemnation, and to bring them to salvation now, secondly, we find that all of those whom the Father has given. Uh, Jesus will come to Jesus in verse 37. That's the next part. All that the father gives me. So there's those whom the father gives the son, all that the father gives me will come to me. And this is explained further in verse 44, you know, all of the chosen ones will come to Jesus when Jesus, We saw back in 35, to come to Jesus is to believe in Jesus. Those are parallel statements. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Hunger and thirst referring here to the same essential thing, just as coming to me and believing in me is referring to the same basic thing, describing it in different ways. So all those who have been given to the Son will believe in Jesus. And only those who have been given to the Son will believe in Jesus in Jesus. Because we find in verse 30 in 44 that no one can come to Jesus. It, he says, "No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day." So no one will come to the Son, no one will believe him unless the Father draws him. Now, it's not that he would come to the Son that he wishes to come to the Son but somehow can't. It's rather than that's Uh, he can, but he won't, that he has this inability of his will, that he is sinful, that uh, he is resistant, that he is rebellious, that he grumbles at the gifts that God has given until the Father draws him. That is the state of sinners, that we are, are so rebellious that we even reject his gift of salvation until God works to draw sinners to him, until he works to Uh, to teach us himself directly uh, to call us to Jesus powerfully, to give us new life. He quotes the Old Testament in verse 45. It is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Uh, Here's probably a quote from Isaiah 45, which we read earlier. All your children will be taught by the Lord, Uh, the children of Jerusalem, the people of God. They'll be taught by God Uh, But this is a theme that's found uh, often in the Old Testament, that when the people go astray, it's God himself who's going to bring them back. God will circumcise their hearts. He will write his law upon their hearts. You won't have to say, know the Lord, because they will all know the Lord, uh, that God will save his people, revive his people, bring them back to him. And so Jesus is saying, that this is how it works with people coming to Jesus, that they will believe in Jesus because they have been taught by God. They would have heard his voice in a powerful, life-giving way that brings them to him. We call this a regeneration or conversion, the new birth. He goes on to say, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So not only all those No one can come unless the Father draws him. And all that the Father draws will come. Uh, So it's not like the Father draws some and then it's kind of up to you whether you're going to come or not. When the Father draws you, you're coming. It is a powerful grace. It is an effective grace. It is an irresistible grace uh, that brings us to the Lord Jesus. I will raise that person up, the one drawn by the Father on the last day says the Lord. And so all those and only those whom the father draws will come to the son and be saved. The next part we find here then, all of this we could find in verse 37, but it's unpacked throughout, is that whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. What of that person who has been drawn to the son? What of that person that the Father is drawn to the Son, who believes in the Son? What happens to that person? Well, he will not be cast out. He will not be rejected. If you come to Jesus, is he going to tell you to go away? No, he's not going to cast you out. He's not going to reject you. Perhaps you have sinned. Doesn't he hate sin? Is he even going to receive you if you've sinned against God? Because he's the savior. Yes, because he's the one who came to save sinners, to do his father's will. All who come to him will be saved by him, and he will cast none of them out. All of those who come to Jesus shall be received by Jesus. He will not reject any of them, and shall give eternal life to all who believe in him, whatever sins they may have. And once he has given them salvation, he still won't cast them out, uh, but rather shall preserve them. We call this uh, the perseverance of the saints. That having saved this people by grace, he will sustain this people by grace. Because he not only talks about you getting saved right now, but that I will raise up that person on the last day. The last day is at the end. That's, that's either after your death or it's, at the end of this age in which the judgment to come uh, occurs and those whom have, who have come to Jesus will be raised up to life and glory whoever comes to me I will never cast out not only does he say that but he says in verse 39 that this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up on the last day so all those whom the Father has chosen shall come to Jesus, and they'll come because the Father draws them, and they shall be preserved and all of them raised on the last day. This is, a, in other words, called Calvinism taught by Jesus. You have total depravity. They can't come unless the Father draws. They're unable to to work their way towards God. You have unconditional election. God has chosen a people and given them to the Son to save, and all of them will be saved, and only them will be saved. Uh, That we have even, you might say, limited atonement, although there's not explicit reference to his death, although it gets down to his flesh, which will allude to that. But the Son has a mission, that he has come to earth to die on this mission to save the people that the Father has given. It's offered to all that whoever believes receives it, But it's for this people who will be made able to believe and drawn to him. And it is, we find irresistible grace here, that God's grace will convert the sinner and draw that person effectually to Christ. And then we have perseverance of the saints, that those who have been called to salvation, who have come to Jesus Christ, shall persevere to the end and be raised up to everlasting glory in the end. It is eternal life that you receive, not simply spiritual life for the moment but it's a spiritual life that is uh, unto the age to come that is everlasting and so jesus may be despised in the eyes of some there were people who grumbled against jesus In the days of Jesus, even when he walked on earth and you could see him with your own two eyes, even after he had fed the 5,000 and was teaching marvelous words in the synagogue, yet there were people who still looked down upon him and grumbled and left him. There's still some people like that today because that's the way of sin, of ungrateful rebellion. In the eyes of those whom the Father has not yet drawn... He may be despised, just like that manna that miraculously came down from heaven was soon counted a small thing in the eyes of the Israelites, and they craved for something more. But Jesus should not be despised. Just as the manna should not have been despised in the wilderness, how much more the Son of God should not be despised by lost sinners who need him. The Father saves sinners by drawing them to believe in Jesus. That's how God saves people. He draws them to believe in Jesus that the benefits of his flesh, the flesh that he would give, the death and resurrection of Christ, would be received by those who believe in him, that he might preserve them and raise them up on the last day. So what should you do? You should come to Jesus by believing in him. Feed upon the bread of life by believing in him. By exercising faith in him, you have communion in his body and blood. Receiving the life that comes from his flesh. That's how you eat the bread of life. By believing in him. By coming to him. Because that is what satisfies your hunger and thirst. That's another word for eating. The eating itself, we're talking about communion with Christ. Receiving that life and nourishment and that vital union with, with Christ. And all those benefits and the means by which we do so. The way of eating is faith. Partake of him in this way in response to his word. We do it also in a unique way in the Lord's Supper. But in both cases, we feed upon the bread of life by faith. Now, do not try, do not begin by trying to determine whether or not you are elect. Uh, Jesus does not say, determine whether you are elect that you might be saved. Uh, Now, we will learn in time as we believe in Christ of his election, but that's not where a person starts. The call is to believe in Jesus, to act, to arise and to come to him, not to first try to figure out whether you're elect or not. To figure out, what, has God chosen me? I don't know, has God chosen you? How do you know? If you're just stuck there, it's paralyzing. And you, you don't know where to go, but Jesus told you where to go. He said, come to me that you might have life. The one who believes in me will live forever. The call is to everyone that whoever believes shall be saved. So that is the way to be saved. And that secret election and eternal choice of the Father is known after the fact. After one has believed by the presence of faith in Christ. Because if you have faith in Christ, the only way you got that faith is from God because he chose you. In this way, the believer credits his salvation not to himself. We don't praise ourselves. We praise the God who drew us to Christ that we might receive his gift. We give thanks to the grace of God. And so this ought to teach us of the way God has determined to save sinners, which is by drawing them to Christ. So we should come to Christ. So you should come to Christ. And have you come to Christ? If you have come to Christ, then abide in Christ. Remain in him. Seek to continually feed upon this nourishing bread. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? So continue to grow in him and to live in him as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple of him, one resting upon him for salvation. May we all seek salvation where God has deposited it in his Son, and give him all the glory for our salvation and eternal life. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your plan which has preceded us, that you saw that uh, our our need of salvation, our sin and wickedness, and yet chose to save sinners, to receive uh, abundant salvation, even glorification in your presence. We thank you for sending us life, life to this fallen world, life uh, that we might receive it as a gift through Jesus. We thank you for drawing us to Christ and we pray that you would powerfully draw many more, all who are in our church and to our neighbors and to our friends and relatives as well. We pray that you would work powerfully for we are unable to, to take one step toward you until you act. We pray that you would Increase your church to glorify your name in this work of grace. And we pray that you would strengthen the faith of those who believe in Christ, that they would continue to grow and to be nourished and to bear fruit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen.